You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm Eleanor Rust, Marketing Director at Rock, Paper, Scissors, the PR firm that specializes in music innovation and music technology. I'm bringing you this bonus episode to celebrate our upcoming 2023 Music Tectonics Conference. A simple press release could not express our excitement, so we wanted to do something special and look back on a truly wild year in music innovation and think ahead to what this year's fifth annual conference will explore. So we joined forces with James Hill, a multifaceted musician, tech founder, big thinker, and friend of Music Tectonics, to create a Crazy Pants interactive musical spoken word press release with Ever.fm. I'm just going to let James tell you about it, along with Tristra New Year Jaeger, podcast co-host and chief strategy officer at Rock, Paper, Scissors. Take it away, Tristra. I got to meet you, James, for the first time in L.A. this last fall at the last Music Tectonics conference. And when I heard you give basically like an elevator pitch of Ever FM, which is your latest project, I was like, I have to talk to this guy because I had this vision, mm-hmm. this flash of making a crazy Music Tectonics related um, <laughs> remixed NFT type thingy. But you can explain whatever FM is here in a second. But you go way sure. back with Dimitri. I want to hear a little bit about how you guys first met. Yes, Dimitri and I met about 20 years ago. Um, he was a publicist for a lot of like world music acts at that point. And everybody who was anybody in the folk music scene was trying to get Dimitri to do their PR. And I was at Folk Alliance that year um, as a musician. Uh, that was in Montreal. Oh, and interesting. Uh, I, went to, I went to a session that, that he did, um, or he was on a panel. And, you know, like, like most people, I'm, I approach panels with a, a degree of uh, sort of skepticism. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like, well, what are you really going to get from a panel? And yet he just lit up this panel. Mm. It was amazing. And, and I just knew <clears throat> at that point that here's a guy that I'd, I'd, I'd like to get to know more. I mean, he's uh, got a great brain and, and great instincts and he's funny. And I was just like, who is this guy? I had, so, I had a same um, first impression of Dimitri. I met him because uh, he was living in Bloomington at the time and he was representing, believe it or not, one of my favorite Tuvan groups. This is not oh, yeah. Hunter 2. This is not a traditional one. This is Yatka, the crazy rock throat singing oh. folks who kind of made a tiny little splash when they covered Level Terrace, Level Terrace Apart, which was, mm. isn't there. I mean, it's interesting, but they also just make some made some amazing original work that was really, really cool and really like organically integrated all these Tuvan ideas with rock, like in a very natural way. Anyway, so, oh, that's so they were cool. doing a soundtrack yeah. for the silent film called Storm Over Asia in English. And uh, mm. I just I somehow got got a gig like I think I did I interviewed this guy Albert Cuvezin and Dimitri was his publicist at the time and I interviewed them for like <laughs> WFMU in um in the New York area or so anyway whatever um that's kind of totally irrelevant to what we're talking about today but it's funny that we both met Dimitri well, not, at about the same time in that era right 
And yeah, not not totally irrelevant because it shows you that like we were connected first through music before mm, tech. Exactly. And and so when th- then it sort of went uh, we went our own ways. Uh, we went our own many ways for many years. <laughs> And and then I got sort of back in touch with Dimitri through the tech scene because I had sort of transitioned into being a, a tech founder myself. And, and of course, I was looking around and I found him and, and you guys right away and became a, a, a big fan of the podcast and um, came to the very first Music Tectonics in person. And uh, I think I was sort of like a... I don't know. I'd bought some fancy ticket so that I got a a meeting with mm-hmm. Dimitri as part of the part of the VIP ticket. And when we were talking, I I said I met you, you know, years ago, and I was on the Borealis record label. I was doing uh, my uh, ukulele music, and you know, it, it was all around that time you were in, involved with that scene. And and then he sort of he he sort of cocked his head to one side. And he says, "Wait, wait a minute." He said, "Hold on a sec." And he ran off camera, and he came back three seconds later. And said, "Is this you?" And he had one of my CDs Amazing. that had been sitting beside his, I don't know, computer, like in his stack of CDs from <laughs> from a record label, you know, sending him all sorts of stuff over the years. He said, "Is this you?" And I said, "Yeah, that's me." I just couldn't believe that, you know, there I was sitting in his CD collection, and we had, and since then we just kind of headed off. I've always been like <clears throat> a big fan of um, rock paper scissors and what you guys are doing, and so. As Dimitri will tell you, because we talk about this whenever we get the chance to chat, my year kind of revolves around the Rock, Paper, Scissors calendar and the Music Tectonics calendar. And even my team knows that on uh, at certain times of the year, we have to be ready for certain, you know, like Music Tectonics events, mm-hmm. obviously the conference being number one. But I also have found people. I mean, the the two, two of my members of, of my uh, team for Ever FM, I found directly or indirectly through Music Tectonics events or leads from the podcast. And so it's just very enmeshed in my whole sort of music tech world at this point in time. Wow, that's incredible. Well, you have more than given back to us because we got to collaborate on a project together based on Ever FM. Before we get too far mm-hmm. down the project rabbit hole, can you tell us a bit about what Ever FM is? Yes, I would love to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm so glad you asked. I know that was a shocker. <laughs> well, Ever FM is a is a simple idea that is taking me a long time to deliver on, but it is at its core a simple idea and it's just recordings that change. You know, like I I think back to Mark Mulligan on the, at that very first mm-hmm. Music Tectonics keynote. One of the things that he said that really stood out to me was he talked about um, some of the bad press that the early um, recording machines had gotten, like over 100 years ago, like Thomas Edison's early um, attempts at the gramophone. And one of the detractors of that technology had said that this was a machine that just brings dead sounds back to life. That sounds cool. They're like, wait, that's a downside? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) It's like reincarnating, you know, dead audio. And I was like, okay, I had the same reaction. I'm like, actually, that sounds pretty cool. And on the other hand, I understand the sort of like negative side of that because, I mean, for thousands of years before that moment, music had been ever changing. Mm -hmm. I mean, like always different. Everybody who sang the song sang it a little differently. It was the folk process. You know, know, a song was 
eventually worn smooth by a thousand voices, you know, like mm -hmm. th these ideas of there being no definitive version of a song and a song being sort of almost like a ephemeral kind of spirit that just sort of moved through the world and, and was never still. You know, that for the most part of human history has been how songs were and how sound was. Um, and we've lived in this kind of strange um, and wonderful world of static recording. You know, in, in the late 1800s, you, you've got this technology that basically turns songs into stone Yeah, for, for the first time ever in history. And I guess all we're trying to do with Ever FM is um, lift the curse. Like, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's all we're trying to do. It's it's a, that's such an interesting observation, and the way you framed it, James, just made me realize. You know, with a recording, you can really love a song, and I mean, if you're a bit hooked on music like I am, I will listen to the same track over and over and over again in a somewhat obsessive way, trying to get mm. that same emotional jolt for lack of a better way to put it um yeah. but then your ear gets tired but if you imagine in in a in the folk context in the pre-recorded era you would hear the same song have the same emotional reaction but it would never be so identical perhaps that you would get yes. complacent like you can with recorded music so in some ways you're bringing back that's that so ever renewed joy as a listener well and, and that's right and you know there i'm sure you know friends or you know you, you you might fall into this bucket as well where you know like you go to a concert and if the band changes one note or one lyric or one bit of the melody you feel kind of cheated yeah. or, or annoyed because that's not the way the song is on the recording and i want to hear it the way i know mm -hmm. it and a lot of people fall into that category i no judgment. I mean, like, I'm not one of them. I like to go to a show and hear a new rendition. I like to hear a new facet of the song. Uh, um, to me, if I go to the show and I just hear the song like it was on the recording, I actually feel kind of cheated because I'm like, well, I could have I could have done that at yeah. home. Uh, but people definitely fall into these two camps. And um, there is, at this point in time, even though humans have spent more time uh, without the definitive version. Um, we have lived in this for over a century and people are very attached to the way they know things. And there's anxiety on the part of the artist as well as the listener. We did some surveying of um, our, our, our mailing list and we asked them to fill out a survey, some basic questions about how would you feel if a song changed? How would you feel if one song was a million experiences? Uh, how would you feel about that? Um, and the general response from both artists and listeners was a, a, a sort of a low-level anxiety that, hey, if I fall in love with a thing <laughs> and you change one hair on its head, I am anxious that I will fall out of love with that thing. And although I think that's irrational, I mean, if, the, if you fall in love with a person and they change their clothes, are, are you going to fall out of love with that person? No. I mean, I it depends so. what they change into, but yeah. <laughs> it, it depends. Good, good point. Their wardrobe selection may factor into this. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? I, there is this anxiety. And yet I think that the benefits and, and the, the just explosion of possibilities and the, the, the uh, the new artistic canvas that that artists can explore once they feel um, once they feel that this thing that they're doing is not necessarily going to be heard one hundred percent of the time. We 
is 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 so worth is so worth the experimentation. It's so worth the time and energy to to try to find this new canvas, and and that's what we're doing. Amazing. And, you know, it doesn't have to be either or. It could be some songs are fixed and some have a gazillion iterations. But back to Ever right. FM. So we've talked about this amazing philosophical uh, underpinnings, this, this uh, <laughs> aesthetic vision you have. What is it? Mm-hmm. What does this thing actually do? Uh-huh. What is it like to, well, to experience an Ever? <laughs> it's, uh, number one, I think it's just fun. Like, um you get to play the song. We have a really cool visualization that that uh, takes its cue from the waveform. It's a circular visualization for the for the song, because uh, I'm like everybody else. I like to look at something while I'm listening to something. Uh, it's it's like having a beverage with a meal, you know, like <laughs> y- y- looking and seeing. They just go together nicely. So we wanted to have a nice visualization, which the artists can customize. Um, and then, then you hit, as you're listening, you hit the magic key. Uh, at the moment, it's just J on the keyboard. And, and every time you hit J on the keyboard, it just instantly, without skipping a beat, recomposes, reassembles the song on the fly. And you hear a new rendition of that song, of the, the, a new look at the artist's vision. It sort of unfolds itself. So I, almost, I always think of it as like origami mm-hmm. and just sort of like refolding itself into a different mm-hmm. shape every time you hit the J key. And you can hit the J keys just as many times as you want. It is a little bit of like, it's like a dopamine vending machine. <laughs> <laughs> you, just, you just sit there and hit yeah, J. Dopamine and, faster is trigger warning here. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so that is definitely part of it. Um, and I think, I mean, the idea with EverFM is that when you hear one that you, that, that you do fall in love with, that really resonates with you, then you can collect that one as an NFT. You would be the only owner of that one rendition that really spoke to you. But I also find that, you know, window shopping is really fun with EverFM. Like sometimes you just, you don't necessarily go there as a collector mm-hmm. of NFTs. You just go there to sort of cycle through all the, the, the myriad possibilities that are sort of um, embedded and folded into this one master recording that, um, you know, basically you get to reveal secrets i would say or easter eggs within um a single recording i think we talk a lot about discovery in music Mm -hmm. um but on more of like a macro level you know you're talking about like genres and and artists and the genius playlist and like how do i discover new songs in this same genre that i like or whatever there's a obviously a huge industry uh growing uh, that has grown around that but we don't talk about discovery so much in the sort of um, um, microscopic mm-hmm. sense of discovering things within a single song. Like in Ever FM, I guess you could say that the song is a world unto itself. I've always loved um, dioramas. <laughs> you know, like in, ever since I was a kid, I've always loved mm-hmm. creating these worlds inside a shoebox and cutting a hole and just looking in to this little world. And so discoverability sort of of Easter eggs within a song, I th- I'm really drawn to. I was, I mean, we've all had the experience, I think, of listening to a song after a while, uh, after taking a break from it, coming back to a song and say, I never noticed that harmony part, or I never noticed that guitar there. Mm-hmm. Well, those discoveries are even more obvious when the internal parts of a song get shifted around because it makes room for, um, 
some things that had been hidden to come to the fore and reveal more of themselves. And to me, that's just, as a musician, as a producer, as a big fan of music, I just love that sort of micro discovery. And I'm also curious to hear a little bit about how this reassembly process works. I recall you mentioning using some machine learning or AI. Is is that in the mix? Well, that depends what you, <laughs> how, uh, how, what how, you say about AI yeah. uh, or, or what, how well, you feel about or how you define it's a AI. a hot topic I right now. So, you know, you can, can it, define it, it loosely topic. for, you know, tech hype purposes. <laughs> right. I, I, this goes back, again, so many of my music tech stories and memories go back to music tectonics conferences. Again, that first conference in LA, um, I was talking to Alex from Boomi. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we were talking about AI and he came up with this rough and ready definition of AI. He said, most people don't know what AI is. He said, as long as it has some degree of randomization and it uses computers, people think it's there AI. You go. And I was like, okay, in that <laughs> sense, <laughs> EverFM definitely uses AI, quote unquote, uh, but we, we're not using machine learning proper Mm -hmm. you know obviously we're using algorithmic uh composition and the and and what i like to say is ever fm uses ai but we say it means artist intelligence Mm, i love it so the artist actually gets to create the algorithm for the song in our ui that's behind the scenes and the artist gets to sort of create this algorithm as an extension of their composition and so what probability do they want that this little um, you know, vocal take will be heard? Maybe they want to whisper the chorus, but they only want that whisper to be heard like 1% of the huh. time. Maybe they've got a really out there, you know, crazy pants version where they scream the bridge of the song, but they don't want that to wear on people. So they don't <laughs> want it to be heard every single time. Maybe that's only heard 5% of the time for super fans who really dig for it. That's what I mean by the algorithm is an extension of the composition and we let artists do that. And that becomes the artist intelligence that powers the whole platform. That is incredibly cool and way more interesting than putting in a prompt so that you can see a dinosaur <laughs> eating a bunch of jelly donuts. Oh, that sounds fun. <laughs> I, I, you know, I've been keeping tabs on the AI revolution. I'm as interested as anybody else. But, you know, for example, um, Midjourney mm-hmm. is one that I've played with a lot uh, for, for visual generator. And, and I have used it. Like I have used it um, to create thumbnails for my own podcast. I've used it to create um, uh, you know, uh, posters for my YouTube videos. Like I've used it in a very practical way. And once you get over the initial, just like, wow, this is blowing my mind. I I don't even know where to store this. (laughs) Once you get over Mm -hmm. that initial hump, I'm going to go out there and say that, you know, these AI generators, at least the way they are right now, they are truly amazing, truly controversial, truly mind blowing. And they are, but they are essentially like clip art 2.0. It's true. It's true. I I don't like to say that because I know I'm not going to make friends with that, but like, that's kind of what they are. They don't excite me on sort of a soulful, like artistic level, but they are incredibly powerful and very practical for when you need an image. And and it probably blew people's minds to have a clip art library, like, you know, 
20, 30 years ago. And I, yeah, so I at the moment, that's where I think I kind of wonder, you know, in a year or two, if we're going to see people who are giving you like, you know, prompts to see your inner soul working mm. and realign your chakras via like you put this in there and see what it comes out. Oh, that means your energy. You know what I'm saying? Like there's got to be some, oh, right. some mystification of this where it's going to become like everything else on planet Earth, uh, a kind of um, mm-hmm. oracle or fortune telling device. Right. <laughs> so we can Absolutely. do that with like the Bible. I'm sure we can do it with um, stable diffusion. Anyway, this is getting <laughs> pretty far afield. Um, oh, I like that. <laughs> sort of. Do, do we we have to stop that conversation now because we were just getting into like you know twenty uh, first century palm. There we go. Like so, it's, instead of uh, whatever sortus biblicae, it's going to be um, sortus <laughs> deep mind. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I, I think you're right. And I and I, the only th- part that I think you got wrong is the timeline. I think that's probably going to happen like next uh, month. <laughs> I'm slow, man. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so, all right, cool. This has been amazing. Thanks for giving us some background about and some very deep background about EverFM and how it works. Um, we're going to take a really, really quick break. And Shaylee's going to give everyone a pretty fun update on music tectonics, which has come up a lot in this conversation. And then we'll be right back. Shaylee here with big news from the Music Tectonics team. The Music Tectonics Conference returns October 24th through 26th, 2023. We're organizing three amazing days in Santa Monica, California. Save the dates for high-energy panels, insightful keynotes, a startup pitch competition, innovative exhibitors, networking, and more. We'll be returning to some of the fun beachside venues our attendees loved last year and adding some new unexpected places and experiences. Early bird tickets go on sale April 24th. A limited number of super early bird discount tickets will be available. Sign up to get notified when they go on sale at musictectonics.com. You'll get updated on the music tech and innovation programming we're planning for this year's conference and insider details. Is your company ready to take center stage at the conference? Let's talk about sponsorship opportunities. There's a contact form at musictectonics.com. See you in California, October 24th through 26th. Now back to the episode. Hey, I'm back here with James from Ever FM, and now we get to talk about. I get this is exciting because we get to talk about us. I mean, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of like talking about me. This is my favorite part. We get to talk about me. <laughs> um, no, just kidding. We are going to talk <laughs> right. about this new music tectonics uh, collaboration we got to do called For Immediate Release. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing warms a publicist's heart more than that wonderful phrase. Um, in all caps. All caps. Of course, you know, you know, that's because all caps is the missing vowels and doubled consonants of 2023. <laughs> if you've noticed, every single startup is now all caps. Um, yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. The missing vowels. That's right. Missing vowels is so last year. So, yeah. I mean, it, like, shall we say 2019? It's like stale. It's stale. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So we, after we we had a, a crazy enthusiastic discussion at the UMG uh, boot camp for, at the end of Music Tectonics, um, mm-hmm. you kindly agreed to help us see what we could come up with that would uh, sort of represent the podcast and Music Tectonics' spirit. And um, what we came up with is for immediate release. It is a spoken word project where a bunch of different voices from rock, paper, scissors, and music tectonics get 
to uh, tell you about what we think the last few months and the coming months uh, are, are all about. So some very fun little, uh, I don't know, dare I say, Cohen-esque <laughs> statements uh, about music tech. So we recorded all of these. We had about, I think it was nine different folks record the same text with in about mm-hmm. the same cadence, right? We tried to keep it so that there was a, a predictable rhythm or um, way that you could then parse it and match everything back up. So once we got you those sound files, what did you do with them, James? Well, um I did about three, the three or four versions mm-hmm. of this, um, and one of the reasons I was so into this project when you proposed it because, and I, and I, first of all, I just love that you were thinking this way, and came up to me and said, "There's got to be a way that we can take." you know, uh, some kind of podcast from RPS and just like liquefy it. Like, <laughs> can we just take this audio and put it in the EverFM blender and make something cool? Uh, the fact that you were thinking of that like so proactively, I just loved it. And and when you came up to me right at the very tail end of everything, like literally everybody else was just drinking and eating chips. And when we were sitting there going, what should we call it? <laughs> uh, and for immediate release, I think we came up with that Right For immediately, instantly, you know, yeah, immediately. I was trying to avoid saying that. So I said <laughs> you it could for hear you. The, the wheels turning. <laughs> um, yeah, and and I've always been interested in um, how this EverFM approach to production can uh, work for spoken word and storytelling. And I haven't done a lot of it. I've focused really on music, obviously, because that's my my first love. But I think. It has it has a lot to offer storytellers and poets and creative writers as well. Um, and so I was sort of thinking to myself, if we can take one of these podcasts and really turn it into a, a piece of audio art, you know, we're going to learn a lot about how what this has to offer to non-music audio. So right away, I was super fascinated by 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 the idea. So then you sent me these recordings. Um, I think that's what we we decided that, okay, Mm -hmm. we just need some building blocks. Mm -hmm. And the building blocks that we're going to use are just the the same press release read by a bunch of different people. Okay, so that lands on my desk and I'm going, okay, what do I do do with this? And the first thing I tried to do was I tried to imagine this as sort of like a, a vinyl record with nine parallel grooves and... You don't know which groove it's going to uh, drop into every time you drop the needle. It could be you reading it. It could be Eleanor reading it. It could be Dimitri reading it. And then every time you hit the magic key, the J key, it's kind of like bumping the side of the record um, or the record player, and it would jump into a new groove. And that was cool. And and I composed some you know sort of backing tracks for this so that it wouldn't just be the the voice speaking. But what we found after version one was that it's um, it's really hard to make those uh, voices line up exactly. Not everybody has the same cadence, even though you tried to sort of keep it more or less in line. What was interesting to me, which you never saw, was when I lined up everybody vertically, I could see the different personalities of your staff How cool. in the way that they spoke. I'd see who was more sort of uh, dynamic, you know, who had 
louder louds and softer softs and who was a little bit more monotone or, or consistent in their volume, who had a very long cadence, very relaxed ASMR delivery, you know, and then others were much more excitable. And I'm thinking, how do I sort of square that circle? Because what 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 happened was that... Um, you know, if you if you switch tracks, if you switched horses midstream and it jumped to somebody else, well, they weren't exactly in the same place. Uh, they might be a word ahead or a word behind. And for the listener, I felt that that was off-putting. I mean, I, sh- I shared that version with you to show you my progress, but I also felt like, ah, we're not quite there yet because it turns out that, <laughs> you know, um, the the voice in a recording is so much like the human form in a painting, um, when you have a voice in a recording, it becomes like an audio portrait. You take away the voice and it becomes a a landscape painting. You know, um, instrumental music is beautiful, but there's no human figure in the frame. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you have a voice there in in the frame, uh, you've got a portrait and you're all your eyes are on that Mona Lisa sitting there in the foreground. And what happens is if the Mona Lisa starts glitching around, <laughs> moving position randomly Scratching on your nose, you, it's wiggling. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you kind of lose faith in the work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that was something that I didn't expect. I didn't expect it to be so off-putting to have the voice kind of glitching to different moments in the sentence. We really, at least I had a really hard time making sense of it. So that was probably the, the biggest sort of learning moment for me. And so what we ended up doing was picking and choosing the segments uh, that we wanted. So like you would start with the first sentence, then Dimitri would start with the, have the second sentence, then we'd get Eleanor with a third sentence and on and on and on. And we would then create variations through a separate layer that was the effect layer. Mm-hmm. And we that's where we added all of the interesting like uh, cocktail party sound, not sounds, but sort of almost choir. Mm-hmm. Like it was, there's almost like a Greek choir in behind you guys um, saying the same thing, but in like many, many people. Uh, we've got sort of robot versions happening. And, but all through the unbroken thread um, is the voice, the, the human voice. And even as you jumble, you no longer glitch in time. Um, although there's lots of other things, colors and variations that come in around it, you never lose your place. You never lose that sort of golden thread of the human voice. And that in the end, I think in the final version, is what, what carries it um, through. And that was a big... Um, that was a big lesson for me. And the beautiful visuals that match that kind of quirky but still grounded and interpretable um, vocal line is really cool. Right. And and interpretable, that's, uh, that's a big one. Because if you were like more of a sound poet mm-hmm. and it didn't matter if anything made sense, <laughs> if you truly wanted to like put your words and your poetry in a blender and just have any random word soup come out, which could be beautiful. I, I, a friend of mine in uh, Ottawa years ago, Max Middle, a beautiful sound poet. I loved his live performances. He, he would just make sounds and nothing had to rhyme and nothing had to make sense. It was the human voice, but it wasn't language. Um, that would be easy on EverFM. But if you really need it to communicate and, and for people to be able to home in on 
the meaning and and follow the meaning even though you're throwing all of these new things at it and wrapping it in all different ways when meaning is important you know then you're walking a really fine line and i think we found the sweet spot amazing well thank you so much james for both explaining the method to the madness and <laughs> uh, for helping us make this really cool thing i hope it gets everybody excited for our upcoming music innovation conversations this year and mm-hmm. for the big denouement in la in late october i have absolutely no doubt that you will see me there and that we will come up with crazy ideas. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> Thanks, Tristra. Thanks for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We have new episodes for you every week. Did you know? You can dig deeper into all our episodes with the show notes at musictectonics.com. While you're there, look for the latest about our annual conference, sign up for our newsletter to get updates, or get the Music Tectonics app for music tech news. Everything we do explores seismic shifts that shake up music and technology the way the Earth's tectonic plates cause quakes and make mountains. Connect with Music Tectonics on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and find me, Dimitri Vitsa, if you can spell it, on LinkedIn. Bye-bye! You're listening to Music Tectonics.